0: Daily news, breaking updates, and exclusive podcasts. Itrix.com.
1: Hello and welcome again to the Magic's the, the iTricks Magic Week in Review Podcast, the only weekly podcast that we do so infrequently lately that I can't even remember the name of the thing. I am your host, Michael Lauk, and this week I am joined by a guy that uh, we've been chasing on iTricks for a while. We've been showing you his videos. I've been trying to get to his shows because he dots around my state, and I'm going to admit he doesn't even know this. He was in my hometown this weekend. And it was the one thing, the one school fundraiser that I cannot get out of all year, and I had to miss his show, and this guy is Reza. How are you doing?
0: Hey, Mike. I'm doing good. What city are you from?
1: I- I'm in St. Louis. Okay, yeah. We were just at the Ameristar.
0: You were just Bummer, at- man.
1: You were just at the Ameristar, and I saw that was coming, and I was like, oh, that. my wife is a school teacher, and um, like... My kids used to go to the school where she taught and since they don't anymore I, I kinda have this deal where every year I pick one, you know, school family event that I will attend and I get out of all the other ones. <laughs> and this year that was God. that year. I couldn't get out of it. I would have I would have probably had to get a divorce or something.
0: Ooh. Not worth it. But we'll we'll figure out a different time place. Well, my
1: lawyer told me it wasn't worth it, so Oh. Good, good yeah, solid advice there. And he, my lawyer's my cousin. He was also stuck at the same event. So, <laughs> oh, oh for two, yeah. But um, well, first first off, you know, you're a traveling illusionist. You got a show. You're out playing, you know, all over the country. Uh, how was the Ameristar uh, gig? What what just there? What venue do you play? Did you play?
0: It was awesome. Um, we were just in in their ballroom. Very um, really nice place. I've never been there before. I live in Branson, Missouri now. And so, uh, I hear a lot about people, uh, going to St. Louis as, as being the most like, uh, the coolest place with the shortest drive. And it was my first time. I've, I've been through St. Louis quite a bit. Um, and in fact, uh, my driver said, Hey, look, it's the arch. You know, everyone looked out the window and, and, uh, you know, it was like, well, I've, I've seen that quite frequently, but we never, uh, we never stop. We're always just going through. So, um, I love the area, but now that I'm uh just down the road, I think about three and a half hours. Is that b- about what Branson is from you?
1: Uh yeah, yeah, that's about right.
0: Then we'll try and make another stop and and when I do we'll make sure we coordinate with you and, and get a, a non PTA date.
1: Yeah, and well and hey if you want, man, I'll show you the uh the dark side of Saint Louis. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm just hey, you know. The the things you're not gonna find in a book, the fun stuff. Okay. I'll- I'll do that yeah it it um, uh, so you're in Branson now, huh?
0: yeah, we relocated there uh last May, and we signed a one year with option to renew and and uh it was going very well. We went ahead and renewed for another season
1: well i i I had noticed that you play in Branson a lot i wasn't wasn't sure if if you had moved there it to me it uh it makes a lot of sense to live in in branson just because not only do you have the the opportunities you know you have the venues but if you're touring um you know i've done a quite a bit of traveling and this area st louis branson you know just this this part of the midwest it's it's such a great place if if you have to drive places you can get to so much of the country within about yeah. like, 14 hours
0: very centrally located that's the beauty of it um and i'm originally from south dakota so we had that, that, that same kind of central uh, location but not north and south. And we can get to either coast within you know a, a one-day drive fairly easily. And what we do, uh, most of our dates are road dates where we tour bus, semi-trailers. So we're, we're on the ground doing it. And so to be able to, to get places um, very uh, easily is a big part of what we do. So I, I love the area, and it's really cool. A lot of people... Um, you know, don 't know what to expect when you talk about Branson in the Midwest, but it 's been a lot of success, especially in the magic industry in that area
1: yeah you know i was um I was joking with somebody recently on the podcast about you know, i haven 't been to Branson in years. My wife has bothered me that we' like we should take the kids I, I actually when I was a kid i'm 'm in my forties now, Branson had uh the amusement park that 's still there, Silver Dollar City, which is this yeah. weird kind of amusement park with a frontier craft theme you know it's the only place i've ever been where it's like candle making and roller coaster right next to each other and then they had this big religious play the shepherd of the hills uh, mm-hmm. and, and this weird museum to um confederate post-confederate uh, racist warfare uh the bald knobbers which is <laughs> and it was like exactly. that's what it was when I was a kid. Is this a weird place? And I have this this huge prejudice against it because I, we went every summer, like every summer, my grandma insisted we go to Branson, and it was just like I don't know if I can sit through another religious play. <laughs> at candle It making. is, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's it's kind of like magic in the regard that when you say magic, it can mean two different things. It can mean the corny, cliche, cheesy. You know, just like Branson could maintain that that you know, old shepherd of the hills. Um, or the Blue Hairs, you know, all these busloads of uh, of the older folks coming to see the Andy Williams, Miltellis, the, the people that no one would have heard of if you're not 70 and above. But what happened to Branson is, uh, is it expanded quite a bit. Number one, the people who were supporting the place uh, are no longer I mean they. those were older people then and, and now it's the younger generation who are coming up and, and looking for things and so now the last several years um, you've had artists like David Copperfield uh, played Branson for a run um, Rick Thomas is there now uh, lots of uh, names that you would see in Vegas have now discovered Branson and are playing it and then also what's surrounding it is getting a lot hipper as well you've got ziplining and the, the amusement parks have, have become um, a lot more new age. Um, and so there's kind of uh, a new breath that's been, uh, that's been the last few years kind of instilled in Branson. And so the timing to come back was cool because I first went there about 10 years ago. I started performing back when it was kind of the old school Branson. And, uh, and then I left and kind of did my own thing. And, and um, Brett Daniels uh, got a situation... There and uh, he called me to bring me as uh, a part of it, and so that kind of reintroduced me to the town, and uh, and it's it's definitely a place to check out, especially if you're um, if you're in the area and it's less than you know a, a five or six hour drive. It's definitely worth coming and check it out.
1: I, I I might have to I might have to this summer. We I'm, I'm at Lake of the Ozarks quite a bit, which isn't that far away, and maybe maybe this year will be the year we drive down, but. I have to get over my prejudice. Are there still are, are there still Herkimer uh, bumper stickers and signs everywhere? Because that guy freaked me out. Are, Herkimer. Are
0: oh yeah, yeah. The press leads. Yeah, I mean you you yeah. still got the standards, man, and the standards are like the the banjo and the uh, kind of the hillbilly, um, you know. But then the horizons are broad, and you got Cirque shows. You got more more elaborate things too. So it just caters if If you want to find that stuff it's still there, man you can still find it and if you if are completely put off by it um
1: i'm fairly I don't put off tell you <laughs> Nick,
0: it's it's still there <laughs>
1: i'm I'm fairly put off by it after after a lifetime of of being other places and having to explain that you know yes being from saint louis. I did grow up wearing shoes. We actually have, you know, art museums and a symphony. <laughs> we're a real city. We're not. We're not hillbillies here. I, I can't actually. I can't actually go back and take the hillbilly stuff.
0: I know. There's connotations. There's no doubt about it.
1: Well, and, and I'm sure. Um, growing up in, in South Dakota, you probably have faced some well, of that same too. Same thing from, from the coast guys, man. You know, uh, who 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 yeah, are always people surprised. Still think
0: it's like horse and carriage and, uh, yeah, in South Dakota, it's also been, I mean, you've got tons and tons of industry coming out of South Dakota. I mean, one example is my warehouse. Um, the, it's on the campus and part of a huge development of Dectronics, which is number one leading scoreboard and digital boards. So basically every major arena or Las Vegas strip, um, these, these digital boards, every one of them um, have come out of my hometown of Brookings, South Dakota, and and no one can really fathom that something like that that's been at the forefront of technology could have possibly come from South Dakota. And
1: it's true. Oh so now I know exactly where you're from because uh I actually looked at it, uh, taking a job with him at one point. With electronics? Yeah, yeah. In my in my old career I did a lot of professional audio work and uh yeah. Uh when when I stopped working in the music industry, that was one of the things I looked at. But could not convince the family that we wanted to move to to move away from home. Period. Much less South Dakota.
0: Hmm. Very interesting.
1: But so now we know where you started out. How did you start out? How does a kid from uh, from South Dakota? What? Who? Who was it that you saw? Who gave you that that magic kit when you were five that made you go, "This is what I want to do"? Or did it yeah? I
0: have I got the same cliche story as everybody else. Um, school assembly, uh, a local magician, a dude who I still keep in touch with um, to this day. and he, He'll come out to my show. Actually, I just filmed something with PBS. They wanted some backstories. They went and, and found him and put him in front of a camera. So it was just a guy, you know, um, doing magic and a kid who uh, had that moment where it was like, the aha, uh, wow, this is uh, really cool. Magic hit. Um, but the problem that I had that a lot of stories didn't have is i had nothing around me to surround myself with in the industry there was no uh mentors there wasn't it wasn't still is was a local magic club but the, the the talent wasn't there to make it a career There's that there was zero full-time zero uh guys that um that took it very seriously it was all guys who um who were never um, uh, had made it a professional career. And so that guidance to to do so just wasn't there. I mean, great guys, but um, I had to go a long way um, to find that kind of mentorship that would allow me to figure out the business side of it, which we all know is so important because you can't build a career in magic without understanding the business side of it. So that's where... um, that's where where that took me to Branson, and now everything is full circle. So I, my parents took me there, and I started meeting some of these people. Uh, Dave Hamner. Um, are you familiar with Dave Hamner?
1: Uh, I know the name. I don't think I've ever actually met him, though.
0: He's got um, a incredible bird act, a parrot act, and he did a lot with that. Uh, World's Greatest Magic um, won a lot of awards, and so at that time he was someone that I looked up to, and he kind of took me under uh, his wing, and, um, and I... I would read about split fans, but I couldn't do them. And then he would show them to me once, and then I could understand them. And so I realized that I was a visual person. Um, and of course, it was back before YouTube or, um, or or really it was VHS tapes and and library books. So kids have it so good now. I mean, you can go to these websites and learn things so easily. Everything is so accessible. And I was learning magic right at the point where that wasn't quite true. So that's that's kind of how I started out.
1: That's right, kids. We had to rewind. Our magic video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do we wear and there them out.
0: We wear the wealth of video. Yeah, it was just, it was a different time. There, um, there was
1: nothing worse than if you couldn't quite get that thing and you just played it and played it and played it. And magic videos, not it's not the cutting edge of. The industry. I mean, to this day, you buy a Magic DVD, it's not quite the same inside in its workings as the DVD of Transformers 3 you buy at Walmart. But on a DVD player, you really can't tell the difference so much. But in VHS, there was a definite, man, those things wore out. And, and a Magic video, yeah. sometimes six months, and you'd put it in and just hear that pop. And, oh, man.
0: Yeah. And you order these things out of catalogs. <laughs> there was no demo videos you know, online, you would just read the description and look at the little black and white photo and decide, you know, there's this trick or, 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 or the, illust- or the or whatever is illustration.
1: Me. Yeah. Even a and that's, that's what you
0: do And, uh, you write out a check and you put it in the order form and fold it up, put a stamp on it. And, uh, yeah, so much more accessible time. I mean, I envy the kids now who are coming up. Um, and I, I feel so old now. This is the first conversation interview that I've had that I felt terribly old uh and i do but welcome uh, to this is a therapy for me
1: we uh the catalogs man i actually collect old magic catalogs and my wife is it always like why do you need the <laughs> it's like what is the why do you need to know what you know you could get 40 years ago because like, this this is it this is this is how magic started for me you you mm-hmm. got you sat in the it, other kids. I guess we're looking at the Sears Christmas catalog, but you know, laying in the living room floor with the uh, with 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 your who knows Martinka's catalog, whatever, spread out in front of you, nose in it, just imagining that a lot of this stuff was eight thousand times better than it actually was. Of course, get it. It's like it's cardboard. You're like, what, what? 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 Uh, so. You start, you go out, you go to Branson. Are you one of the guys? I find there's there's a couple schools of thought on this. Are you one of the guys? Did you know you wanted to be a magician then and kind of tool your education along the way towards that? Um, are you one of the guys who didn't even bother with college? Or are you one of those guys whose parents were like, uh, you're going to become an engineer either way just in case this magic thing doesn't work out? All of
0: the above. My parents were extremely supportive, um, but I had other family members that weren't as much. Um, so my name, Reza, is my real name, and people always ask that to think it's a stage name. And it's not. It was my, my mom is from Iran. which is Persian. And so anyone that knows about that culture or culture similar to it, know that if you are uh, the son of a, of a Persian family, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, I mean, education and uh and just a prestigious job of some sort is just the only way and so that whole entire side of the family would sit me down and they would say magic is not a career magic is a hobby um i mean they would see the potential of it and they would relate to things like sports or music and just say that it's just such a rare thing for somebody to break out and become successful in that so Keep pursuing it. Keep doing it. But you gotta go to your education. And you gotta have a fallback plan. Um, so that maybe I think maybe even more determined uh, than anything. But my my parents they were just the most supportive. And not financially, um, they they did have the money to do that. But they wanted to teach me good business. And so anything that they would, um, they would like like if if I needed something uh, purchased, they would loan me the money. I would pay them back. They wouldn't just buy it for me. You know, a lot of people, I think, assume that anyone who's successful in magic has just been bought for them. And that's sometimes the case, but a lot of times it's not. And in my case, um, they just taught me good business from day one. So I, I knew I needed transportation. I couldn't afford a tour bus. So I went out and bought a uh, school bus, the first bus. At this point, I was probably 13, 14 in that range, and, um, and what I would do is, is the calls weren't coming in to the degree that I wanted them to. And so I would go out and I'd four wall these shows. I'd rent school auditoriums, um, BFWs, American legions, anything that I could, uh, that I could rent for a room. And I, I renovated the school bus. I gutted the back half of it. So all my equipment could fit in there. I took the front half and I, um, and I built like a, like a table and a kitchenette. And so it was, you know for the time, pretty cool. Uh, Looking back at it now, not so much, but it's all about what, you know, in the moment. In the moment, that was cool. And so I would do that and then I'd go out and I I would uh, learn how to use Photoshop and create these flyers and, you know, just do it. And then, um, and it wasn't successful. I would play to 40, 50, 60 people, you know, in these thousand-seat auditoriums. And um, that was a moment of realization that it's not just build it and they will come. I had no name recognition. Um, all I had was a stream. So I would do the best that I could. Um, and then I'd come back to that market and I'd develop it and realize the next time I come in, now all of a sudden we're a hundred or 200 people and I keep developing that. Um, I'd keep changing the show and, and just learning something from every experience. And, um, eventually I was able to, to get a newer tour bus and newer tour bus and newer equipment and, uh, more lighting, more sound and, and just grew it a little by little. And I probably went a good eight or 10 years of doing that before I saw any real financial success. You know, I would, I would break even or I'd make money a little bit, but it wasn't like, um, I was doing crazy good. And so it was just a lot of determination. Um, and then once I hit that breaking point and, um, and developed the, the show, and the name, the brand, to a certain point. Then things really started to take off for me, but it was not overnight.
1: Okay, well, this actually is a very cool story, and I want to go on with it, but uh, we're at the break point, believe it or not. Time is flying by, so we are going to take just a second. We'll be right back in a minute. Um, Don't shift your iPod or whatever you're listening to, (laughs) and uh, we'll be back with with Reza.
0: iTricks.com
1: This is Michael reminding you once again to support your local no-kill animal shelter. My own family has had a rescue, uh, part chihuahua, part miniature pincher maybe for years, named Paco, the uh, microphone-shy chihuahua mix. But uh, even though he disappointed us last year by not barking into the microphone, he is still a beloved part of our family. And uh, you can find a friend like that or help other families find Uh, their new members at your local No-Kill Animal Shelter. And let's see if this year we can get Paco to bark for us. Paco, Paco, you want to bark? Tell everybody to support their animal shelter? There you go. Paco and Michael say support your local No-Kill Animal Shelter. Now back to the Magic we can Review. Okay, and we're back with with Reza. Um, Hey, before we go on, uh, while we're thinking about it, why don't you throw out your website now that we are in the in the modern digital age and people can look you up on the web? Yeah,
0: absolutely, man. Uh my official site is com R-E-Z-A-L-I-V-E. Um and I do all the social media. And so if you search Raza R E Z A Illusionist on uh Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh you'll find me we'll link up.
1: do all the social media so we can look at you on uh Sino Weibo and all that good stuff.
0: Uh, just everything except for Grinder, and uh, there's a couple others that I've I'm not quite gotten myself uh, around to yet. But uh, I do most of my stuff on on Facebook. I,
1: I I tell people I've been telling guys it's like you need to sign up for for Weibo. It's the Chinese Facebook. Because oh, okay. It's so because Magic is so big. Establish that presence. You know, you can you can hit the ground and and you can be the biggest star in the world <laughs> in China. Yeah, they won't. They won't know as long as you've, as long as new you've built your brand, and it is a huge market, and they love magic. <laughs> right on, they do. Have, have, so I'll take it right now. You've not been to China since since your days in in the school bus. Um, I know you've done some international things. You were in Mexico last year, weren't you? How many countries have you played? Mexico
0: was incredible. Yeah, that was. It's it's really cool to go into uh, a country that you can't even speak their language and, and still have that reception. And that just speaks to what magic is and can do. Um, I mean, Metro is crazy. We got off the plane and, and they had the billboards everywhere. We went right into a lot of major uh, television networks um, in that area. And in, I think 45 shows, we sold uh, 200,000 tickets, which, um, which is crazy in comparison to what magic can do uh, in the U.S. and uh, and so that was a really 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 cool experience. People are great.
1: So, are you gonna are you going back someday? Or...
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I love this Branson deal, but the there's the pros and cons with, with every situation. Um, while we're in Branson for last year, and then now this year, and then if we if we do renew in the future, um, we we don't, we don't have the ability to be gone for lengths for length of time. I tour for one to two weeks at a time and then uh, and I have to be back, which anyone know, that's done international knows that you've got to have such a sacrifice um, and flexibility of time to get equipment back and forth and deal with all the things that could possibly come up um, with transport. So that's keeping us in the U.S. for these two years, but we've got a number of opportunities um, that we've been very blessed with that are stacking up for once we do choose to pick on a different set of circumstances, um, and can tour more. So I'm excited to see what will develop with those, uh, those other international situations.
1: You know, that, this is probably a good time to mention, um, since you're talking about moving your equipment and stuff, that, to talk about your show, because you do a big illusion show. You're not, you, you can't just, you know, I'm not saying you can't, but your show is not served by you grabbing two decks of cards at Seven Eleven on the way to a gig. <laughs> And, and so it's enough. not,
0: and kudos to those guys. I mean, there's guys that can hold the attention span of a 1,000 people or more with what they can have in a suitcase and do it very, very well. And uh, God bless those people. Um, they're making more money than the people that, that haul the big stuff around for a lot of circumstances. Um, but, yeah, the, the route that I chose is uh, is the full production route. So I uh, not only do I own everything, um rather than lease or rent. And that includes warehouse, lighting, sound, uh, buses, trailers, everything. Um literally every piece of equipment. Um and the things that we need to to create, like the workshops and the tools and the you know, all of that. Um we I built that in house. So um to transport the show, uh we're we're talking about, you know, tens of thousands of pounds of equipment and, and the things going down the road. Once you add uh, the illusions plus the production, and then, of course, maintaining a full crew as well. So it's a little bit of an undertaking.
1: Uh, how, how, if, if I may be so bold, how many people do yeah. you employ?
0: I have five people on the road at all times, and then I have another two that make up my crew, and they do a lot of the groundwork, some of the marketing, um, fielding incoming offers and that. And my on-the-road on, on the road staff includes uh, at least one driver. I have one full-time driver that's with me at all times, Um, And we do a lot of overnights, so it's not just a luxury. Um, Like for example, when we do, uh, right now, we're going um, to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and we'll go from there um, and do an overnight um, to, I think it's Benton, Illinois. But from Fayetteville to Benton, I've got media along the way. So I'll be doing interviews um, that next day at like six in the morning. So it literally means leaving the venue at midnight, driving all night, being able to wake up refreshed and go into a television interview situation, um, and then another two or three or four media situations that day before we get to the evening show. So there's a lot more than just doing a show. It's so a driver, um, I've got a stage manager, uh an assistant, um, a spot operator, and then a road manager. So that's kind of what we that's how we roll.
1: So I mean you're a straight up bona fide small business
0: yeah, business is the key word yeah um there's there's like I said you know before there's no way to really make magic successful unless you approach it as a business um i mean there's 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 ways that um other people can lash themselves onto your brand and make you successful but on your own to be um to be an entrepreneur uh you've gotta understand. Exactly what's going on with building the business from the ground up.
1: Now and for, for your plan, I mean really this is meant you're you're what I call a hustler. You're like uh people <laughs> I know like well my like my like like Smoothini who hit big because he was on TV yeah. last year. I've known I've known him for years and he's a guy. He's out working. He doesn't do he doesn't yeah. sell stuff, he doesn't He's out working. You are out working. Just like there, there are guys who—that's
0: a perfect example. Yeah, the millionaires guys, you can hit.
1: who are just you you doing a But if
0: you don't know what to do with that, it'll go nowhere. So him is a prime example. He hustled. He made his opportunity, and uh, and then he did the next part, which you have to do is capitalize on it. And there's a lot of guys that have had some opportunities to himself, and we don't even know who they are today because they weren't able to, to grab that, maintain it, and then and build off through it. That's where what, that's what that business part comes in. But, yeah, I mean, I hustled from day one. I uh, I realized that magic um, was too expensive to uh, be supported by the money that I was getting for the shows at that point. You know, it went from $20 in birthday cake at the beginning for compensation to, within a year or two, like $200, $300. You know, I was very, very young, and that was good money for, for that. But... I'm looking at these things, that I want to buy, and they're thousands of dollars, and it just didn't make sense. What I did um, is I went door to door selling stuff, and there was a company that would that would cater to like fundraising for marching bands and that kind of thing. And I signed up for that as an individual. I got these catalogs in the mail, and here's this little kid going door to door. Uh, selling like wrapping paper and candles, and people would ask, you know, "Okay, are you going?" You know, some wouldn't ask; they would just be so used to people. You know, little kids knock on the doors, and they would just buy something, and and that was fantastic. And then some would ask, "Okay, what's the cause? What's it going to?" And I would be very honest; I wasn't going to lie or, be, you know, uh, to to trick them. I said, "I'm uh, I'm an aspiring entertainer, and this is how I uh, can make the money at this point to build my business to where I need to make it." and they bought stuff i have people come to my show today they said you probably don't remember me but i bought wrapping paper from you way back in the day so you got a hustle i mean uh there's just no excuse for laziness and and uh so i i was just very lucky to have a family that was able to teach me that so early on
1: so so now that you are touring as part of the hustle is uh is is, is like, like I said, i, I draw a lot of parallels to to the music industry because I've known a lot of guys in that you know and I worked in that on on, on the equipment side um, for musicians because of the way record deals and stuff work merchandising is such a huge part of their income because they'll get a bigger piece of that <laughs> than a record quite honestly do you do you have merchandise or are, are you looking into that is that something you're expanding is that something is it because of the way magic works are you able to to work off ticket sales alone?
0: No, you're right on. Um, I know I have a lot of friends and bands that I can name the names and people would know the names. And they would be very surprised to hear that they're not making it off the other areas like ticket sales and record sales. They're making on the merch. Um, and, yeah, that's that's a very, uh, very profitable thing in uh, in this industry as well. We do a lot um, of, of on-site merchandising or uh, after-the-show or intermission you know, all the swag, the t-shirts and the DVDs and posters and necklaces and all of that. Um, and then we've also built that into its own thing as well. And so we do online merchandising and we have a fulfillment center in South Dakota that handles a lot of that. So there's a lot of avenues in addition to just ticket sales, but we've been very lucky. Um, it took a long time, but now we've built a business model that sustains itself on the actual performance, which uh, took a long time. It's very difficult, but, um, but but we got there. So it's it's definitely a possible uh, achievement for all the guys who are, who are wanting to do something um you know, like this. Go for it, man. It's possible.
1: So you don't do a lot of conventions, things like that, as as far as I can tell. As far as I've noticed. Um which is which is fine, which is good. I I, I get that. <laughs> you know, you're not out on the lecture circuit or anything. But uh are are you ever have you ever considered it? Have you ever considered uh You know, maybe something on the business of magic. I I think that is is so lacking right now in in the magic community.
0: It is. Um, I could have sure benefited from something like that that was catered to my specific interests, um, which are developing a stage show and touring with the stage show. Um, I've never done that, um, and I'm not opposed to it, and also the conventions. I've attended different conventions, but I haven't focused on... um, releasing products you know i've just tried to to build my own brand um but i'm definitely not opposed to it you know i'd love to do that at some point
1: very cool now since uh since you were actually kind of already making it i mean well not kind of i mean you were making it but but before um i'm not sure how old you are i think you're younger than i am but i think you know you're old enough to kind of remember probably uh the day before Thanksgiving, the world's greatest magic specials being. Oh on my NBC, god! Yes, right. Uh, yeah, and and when so by my my calculations here, when you go out and you hit the road and you're you are doing your tour, particularly the first few years, you were kind of hitting at a time where we weren't seeing big magic specials. We weren't seeing magic on TV. And the few things we were tended to be David Blaine standing Mm -hmm. in the middle of some kind of shady looking street with a deck of cards. Um, Since the last man year or so, it seems like magic is really starting to, to show up on American television again. Um, with Fool Us and Masters of Illusion returning, and and uh, Flom and Lax doing Wizard Wars, and all that kind of stuff, are you seeing like a a new interest? Are you seeing? Is this affecting you, or or is is it maybe not quite the the tidal wave of success to the magic industry that everybody's kind of thinking that it is?
0: No, it is, and I think it's great. I think for for once, magic is now diversified, and when you look back, it was always. Like one main guy, you know, Henning and um, Mark Wilson, more recently, the guys that you've mentioned, um, but they shaped a certain style in magic you know and, and for decades, David Copperfield did that, and that was the guy that that you know I looked up to um, and still do. you know what an incredible uh, thing to take magic from decade to decade and and change it and make it hit make it current. And and almost become a
1: billionaire along the way. It's totally. Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what we all you know dream of is is taking that journey that that he has done. But now, you've got I think all of those types of magic at the forefront. Um, Like you mentioned, Justin Flom and the Wizard Wars. That's something that magic has never seen. Um, They took a concept that was um, very marketable, and now magic is. Considered this uh, like the cooking shows, you know, it's it's a different kind of art form. And then you've got the guys who are doing it um, on stage and, and, and big. And you've got the guys like the David Blaine um, street magic and all of that. I think is acceptable, and people I think identify with all of that.
1: Um, so, are we going to be seeing you on TV soon with all these TV opportunities? <sighs>
0: Yeah. Uh what, here in June we've got a couple um a couple of things airing. One's called uh Branson Taxi, and a couple of shows that we filmed uh last season, just some reality show appearances here and there. Um, I'm working on some other things, but uh I've been really, really selective on uh television deals and it's uh it's something that I always second guess myself because when these things come up, like, like the AGT phone calls that everybody gets, that's always a difficult, um, difficult thing to know, is that is that right for me or not? And there's been a lot of competition shows like that that I struggled with, with whether to move forward on or not. And um, where it ultimately ended up is I didn't want to do anything unless I had the, the control over the brand. And so um, finally there's been a couple opportunities that, am very in line with that and um they're not I'm not done deals to where i can announce them or talk about them but um i hope that i can do something in that media very very soon
1: cool yeah D- dane man television is dangerous i know more than one guy who has a story who who was you know so close to announcing his show that the paper it was down in like the final contracts and then they would they would get these, these, these kind of final contracts and read them over, and it's like, wait, everything I do is going to be owned by this you know, network or this production company. <laughs> wait, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I can't, you know, how am I supposed to live after that? And just so many kind of snake holes like that. It, it, it uh, TV, I think, is, is a real double-edged sword for guys.
0: It really is. And I know a lot of guys who you've had on this podcast or – you know, our active line tricks have taken the, the AGT route and been able to build off of it. Um, and some people will say it's great, and some people will say they would never do it and they regret doing it. And it is definitely a double-edged sword. And you just got to examine uh, the situation as a whole and decide if it's if it's something that's that's right for you. And and I always decided against it. Um, but I think for the for the right person, it's the perfect opportunity.
1: We, uh, we we actually talked to Matt Franco last year after he okay. won AGT, and I, and I and I and I I'm pretty sure that he said, you know, it was something that he he basically just did at the spur of the moment. Um, it might have even been that like he had something cancel and he was in town, so it was like, oh, what the heck? Like, you know, this is a way to spend my day, not mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to be, you know. And and I know here. We had AGt auditions in St. Louis uh, a couple of years ago um, we've had American Idol and things like that and and um, I have driven by that venue They usually do it where the St Louis blues play hockey so it's it's a sizable venue and uh, anybody who was at the at the IBM Sam convention last summer it was it was the arena next door to where where all the gala shows were and uh you know I've driven by there at 3.30 about when bars close, 3.30 in the morning in St. Louis and already there was like a two block line outside the building to get in with people with you know cases and things for in the case of America's Got Talent um, it, you know and it's just like holy crap what a crazy thing to do you know how how could you even perform near your best, and so so for the guys that do it more more props to you uh' cause it is not an easy route, but
0: it's not no, and like I say, for the right person, it could be the right move, um but it could also be very detrimental, and so where I had built um a tour schedule that could be compromised if things didn't go correctly, or even if they did, um it just didn't. I didn't see it was for me, um, but we're we're just in final negotiations for a, a one-hour special that's uh, that'll film in March of next year, and um, and so where I'm at, you know, looking back and examining all things, I think holding out for that kind of a deal was the right thing for me. It allowed me to uh, to build um, kind of a, a brand and a fan base from the ground up, rather than the. Uh, opportunity to go on like television and capture that fan base um you know i just i built it a different way and not to say that one way is right or one way is wrong but there's just there's different styles and different you know types of uh approaches and so everyone has to kind of do what's right for them
1: Well, wow, that's that's exciting because um one of the things i've kind of felt personally uh with this resurgence of magic on tv when you watch not to pick on Masters of Illusion because it's it's doing something you know important and it's showing a lot of different styles of magic to people crammed in a half an hour every week, but uh, because there haven't been any real good stage illusionist specials, there haven't been very many even even uh, one man shows. It's been snippets here and there anymore. I th- I think it kind of magic it does lose a little something and and i i would love to see you know this resurgence now of television bringing a resurgence of specials where people can come on and do a legitimate act and not just a series of skits and uh when when you know because when when we were kids as we've talked about you know henning would come on and or Blackstone, or David Copperfield. And yeah, they had mm-hmm. breakouts with stars, but really a lot of the core of those shows were full-on, extended, presented pieces. that, And that's the one thing that's kind of missing from Magic TV right now.
0: Yeah, I don't know that we'll ever have another Gary Willette, another World's Greatest Magic, because that's been tried um, over the years. And it's just never hit that mark. Even though technology... And uh, it was just ahead of its time, and technology has advanced so far that you would think that it'd be much simpler to produce that quality of a special. And it's—it was difficult. He had the eye, um, and he built a lot of stars in the process of, of those specials. Uh, so yeah, I—I I think that just the diversification of of like the, um, the the hidden camera shows with magic, you know, and the challenge shows and other competition shows. I think that, that we're, I think the graph is going in the right direction, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the next year or two will bring. Uh, I will say, I've gotten a lot of phone calls um, from different production companies looking for magic for television shows, and like I said, not all were right for me. But my, my voicemail is literally filled up with uh, with casting directors and and, um, and producers of different shows, that now are, are looking towards magic where years ago they're looking to other things. So I think just just getting those phone calls is good news. And I think that we're heading in a positive direction as a whole.
1: Well, cool. Now, looking at the time, we, we have filled up a podcast. And I know you are a busy guy, and I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So um, how about let's throw out your website again?
0: Yeah, man. It's com. R-E-Z-A-L-I-V-E, and uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search Reza Illusionist.
1: You know, and we we can we can keep up with where you're going to be when you're outside of Branson on there and all that good stuff in case you want to – you want to see – you're out there. You want to see a good – I'm going to use old-fashioned but not in a bad way. An old-fashioned touring stage show. You know, this is the kind of guy that it, once upon a time, his posters would no doubt se- bo- boast about how many rail cars of equipment he had. <laughs> That's right. You know, so if you – you know, you want that experience because – there's there's not a lot particularly for a lot of cities you know you don't get to see that anymore if you want to keep keep track of where raza is coming um i'm gonna catch you man even even if i have to go to branson and i'll resent you for making me go to branson
0: <laughs> i know man i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to reel you in there but we'll work it out one way or another and well i'll make it kid friendly show i can bring my kids right yeah of course
1: cool well, you know what? In this day and age, you do kind of have to ask. Even with the illusion shows, you do kind of have to ask now. You know, I, 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 I think, yeah. I think we can't assume that that all magic is family friendly and and uh, PG or G as it once was. <laughs> Thanks. No, nope, this is no. not
0: your topless review, and yeah,
1: that also could be why I haven't gone.
0: Okay, excuses, excuses.
1: <laughs> no, I'm can. Thanks for uh, for being w- with us here. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we're gonna we're we're gonna keep all the iTricksters informed about what's going on with you. We we post your videos when, when we see something uh, coming up new, and we're gonna continue to do that.
0: And I appreciate that, man. I I, I thank iTricks very much, and, and uh, you know for doing that. Not just for myself. I mean, it's, it's always cool to log on and and see something um, of my own, but also you're introducing uh, new talent to your viewers and keeping people at the forefront. And so you guys uh, are uh, – it's commendable what you're doing. I appreciate it.
1: Well, we're, uh, we're just trying to help the community along. right? So, so thank yeah, you for thanking us. Thank you for too. being out there and, and keeping the tradition of the Touring Magic Show alive. And uh, that's it for this week. Thanks to all the iTricksters for listening to us. Until the next Magic Week in Review, which I am not going to promise is in a week. I did not name the show. We're going to blame that on just Robert Young. But on the next uh, iTrix periodic review of Magic, until then, join us every day on iTrix.com to see what is new and happening in the world of Magic.